Hey guys, what's up? My name's Ines. I write kissing books and today I'm having a bit of a breakdown because of all the BMs in the flame and the flower. Do you know what a BM is? Let me break it down for you. A BM is a big misunderstanding. What? What did you think I was talking about? This is my least favorite craft technique. I also don't appreciate them as a reader, but I found that they abound as a plotting device in early romances. And since I'm committed to reading books by romance founders, I see that I'm going to run into them a lot. For example, take the quintessential modern romance, The Flame of the Flower by Kathleen E. Woodywis. Woodywis is created with creating the modern historical romance novel when she penned 1972's blockbuster hit and New York Times bestseller, The Flame and the Flower. The book is credited with being the birth of the bodice ripper, where women are forcibly taken by the hero in explicit sex scenes. Though the details of the sexual act were almost always written vaguely with flowery, wave crashing, and earth shattering prose, and no real details on the actual sexual act, but the women's clothing was often ripped from her in an often non-consensual coitus. Half a century later, readers and scholars of the romance genre continue to debate, discuss, and dissect the notions of consent and agency in early and present-day romance novels. The issues most interesting to me that Woody was shunned a light on was that of the BM, better known, again, as the big misunderstanding or the big miscommunication. Big misunderstandings are plot points or tropes that stems from a break in communication between the lovers. Being a 40-something-year-old divorcee who's recently dipped her toe back into the dating scene, I can confirm that communication is key in relationships. Unfortunately, so many doors are locked or get slammed in the face of old and new affairs because individuals fail to talk to each other or to be clear in their discussions. In the case of Branding Birmingham and his wife by force, Heather, the two fail to understand or hear each other out from the very first time they meet. The BMs in The Flame and the Flower revolve around rape, blackmail, infidelity, suspected infidelity, and murder. When Brandon meets Heather, it's after she runs away from a family member who was trying to sexually assault her. She's running in the streets, scantily clad, and Brandon assumes she's a prostitute. Heather thinks that Brandon is the authorities who've come after her after fighting back against her uncle. Brandon sees a clean, innocent-looking child, she was 17 at the time, and instead of questioning if she's truly a fallen woman, or even listening when she begs him not to assault her, or to stop when he does begin his forced seduction, or when he full-on rapes her, not once, not twice, not after he realizes she's a virgin, not until after the third time of the coitus when she tries to escape does he think, huh, I think she's trying to tell me something. The next BM happens after Heather's family discovers she's pregnant. They hunt Brandon down to make Heather his ball and chain. Heather believes Brandon solely wants to make her his mistress, something that he had said to her during their time locked in his cabin together. And then he says it again when they're reunited. Brandon believes Heather is part of the blackmail scheme to tie him down. Once again, instead of talking to each other, the two wage a cold war that stretches across the Atlantic Ocean. 
Once ensconced in Brandon's American home, Heather has a choice of where to sleep. Brandon offers his bed, which is what he secretly wants her to choose, or the sitting room next door to his bedroom. Heather believes Brandon has offered her a false choice so that he can still bed his ex-fiance as he vowed never to have Heather in his bed again because of that still not talked about blackmail big misunderstanding. Instead of talking to each other, Heather chooses the sitting room and the two grow further apart. It takes a second assault before Brandon and Heather begin to have a tentative dialogue with each other. One of Brandon's good friends decides he must have Heather. The friend has been making eyes and advances and putting his hands in inappropriate places on Brandon's wife as he's waltzing with her in front of Brandon. All of this is done under Brandon's nose and he says nothing. He just stands there and stews. When this friend finds Heather alone, the friend launches himself at Heather. Don't fight me. I have to have you, says the friend, despite Heather's protests. Brandon shows up just in time to rescue Heather from these unwanted advances. The problem is Brandon's jealousy is still raging and green. Instead of comforting his wife, he forces her to bed for the first time since their very first bloody virgin encounter. <laughs> I will have you, Brandon insists, and he does. Only this time, Heather decides she likes sex now, and with a few vague paragraphs of flowery, nondescriptive prose, Heather might have even had an orgasm. Brandon and Heather aren't entirely unself-aware. Near the end of the novel, Brandon admits that their marriage has been full of misunderstandings, though it takes the last third of the book before Heather communicates her biggest secret to her husband that she believes she's responsible for the death of her uncle, the man who initially tried to rape her mere moments before Brandon got his hands on her. By this point in the novel, Brandon has been accused of murder twice. It's a boon that Heather never doubts Brandon's innocence and stands firmly by his side. However, the true murderer is someone from Heather's past. Had Heather simply told Brandon about her past deeds, the true murderer would have been caught possibly before anyone else in the book died. But this crucial information is kept from the hero of the novel until Heather is once again placed in danger and about to be raped and murdered by the actual killer. The surprise reveal is that Brandon knew Heather's big secret all along because Heather talks in her sleep, something he did not communicate to us, nor did the writer communicate it to the reader. It's unclear if Heather and Brandon have learned their lesson and are better communicators by the end of their tale. This reader feels very certain that BMs will continue to clog up their fictional relationship into their old age, especially when one of the last lines of the novel had Brandon asserting that the murderer got his just desserts for trying to rape Heather. Heather retorts that Brandon did rape her. But Brandon pulls his wife close and reminds her that he married her. As you can see, this wasn't my favorite romance novel of all time, but that's not the point. The point was about the big misunderstandings. I can't see a reason to use them in romance novels or any work of fiction. I believe communication is key, especially communicating to the reader what is actually happening, even if you don't necessarily communicate it in both point of views to the hero and the heroine.
Have you read The Flame and the Flower? I'd love to know your take on this quintessential, primordial, modern-style romance novel. If you want a more in-depth exploration of pacing, try out my patient or pacing course, How to Write a Binge-Worthy Novel in 21 Days, at aneswrites.com forward slash PTP for patient or pacing. You can also read more breakdowns and book reviews and chat with others on my free substack at aneswrites.substack.com. In the meantime, you guys, go get them words. I'll try to keep it together until the next time that we break it down. I'll see you then. Bye.